Hey everybody, welcome back to another edition of Bavarian Podcast Works. This is Chuck Smith and I am here to bring you our flagship show. And this one's going to be a little bit different format. Uh, we had some scheduling conflicts this week. And uh, to be honest, a lot of the normal podcast staffers are just all over the place, had a lot going on. So uh, rather than push this out a few days late where we could get uh, two or three of us on the show, we decided to go with a solo mission today. And uh, hey, you got me. What a lucky draw you got there. So uh, yeah, I mean, this is uh, one of those instances where on the flagship, we really like to have two hosts so you can get multiple opinions on a variety of subjects, but didn't work out this week. So I will try and guide you through this. So uh, it's okay. You don't have to just shut the podcast off now. You can stick with me. I promise. I'll, I'll try and make it worthwhile for you. Okay. Uh, I guess the big place uh, to start with Bayern Munich these days is just to talk about what happened over the course of the last week. I'm not going to go deep into the DFB Pokal match against Gladbach because we all know what happened. It was an embarrassment and they got smoked and I covered it on other shows. Uh, but what intrigued me the most about that was how Bayern Munich was going to respond against Union Berlin. And they've responded in a big way, 5-2 victory. And I thought it was, not only was it a fun game in terms of excitement, creativity, uh, and Bayern looking like they were playing with a flair once again, but it showed that they could withstand a team that wanted to stand and punch with them. One of the things that I've personally wondered about Bayern Munich is, uh, a team so talented, a team that can attack so quickly and so swiftly, so accurately and be so deadly. Uh, how would they handle it when another team came at them the same way? Now, we got a little bit of a glimpse of that last week when Gladbach came right out of the gate and they were throwing haymakers right at Bayern Munich, struck early, struck often, and really just put Bayern in a hole which they could not dig out of. Against Union Berlin, Bayern Munich was once again the aggressor. Now, haters are going to say that, well, it was just Union Berlin, right? Okay. Admittedly, Union Berlin is not the strongest, deepest, or most talented team, but they are a solid team. This is no pushover. I mean, this is a pretty good squad, and they're a proud team, and they were playing in front of a raucous home crowd. Uh, it's a tough environment to play in, but Bayern Munich handled that well. They were persistent early on until they got that first goal, which came courtesy of a penalty, which Robert Lewandowski scored. And uh, from that point forward, you could see that the confidence had returned to Bayern Munich, and that's what I wanted to see. I didn't really care too much about the end result of the game. I wanted to see Bayern come out and show a little bit of fortitude here. I wanted to see how they would handle it. And they did exactly what I hoped they would do. So from that standpoint, I saw everything I needed to out of that game. Were there some issues? Absolutely. Uh, the defense at times just went through some lapses. And I'll be honest, uh, I've been very pro Josip Stanisic, but his last couple of times out have kind of been concerning. He has not looked sharp. And I'm really hoping for the kid's sake and because I really want to see someone come from Byron's youth ranks uh, and make it up to the senior team. Uh, I hope this isn't a case where we already saw the best of him and now he's coming back down to earth. I don't think that's the case. 
Uh, I think maybe he's going through a bit of a slump right now, and this is something that we've seen with other players. Uh, but it's something to keep an eye on because I think a lot of people were looking at him not just as a quality depth piece, but as someone who could potentially play a role on this team in a couple of seasons. Uh, so while he's young and inexperienced and needs desperately needs this game time at the first team level to really help his game evolve, it's something we're going to have to look at because if Julian Nagelsmann cannot depend on him to give quality minutes when he's called upon, this really complicates matters on the back line even further because at different points we've had Benjamin Pavar struggling. And, you know, obviously Pavar is at right back where Stanisic sees most of his time. Nicholas Sula has one foot out the door and might not even be coming back next season. So um, Sula, of course, also has played some right back. And while he's mostly known as a center back, and while he might be the team's best center back right now, uh, his future just is uncertain. Uh, Dio Upamakano has been pretty good this season, but has also shown the ability to get bullied a bit and has had some lapses. Same with Luca Hernandez. Uh, Hernandez has been good. Uh, I would say Upamakano has been good. I'd say Sula has been good. Uh, those are good players who have performed relatively well. They have all had some down moments. Uh, same could be said for Alfonso Davies. Some days he just looks electric. In other days, he just looks like he's struggling. And, uh, you know, I guess these are the ups and downs that come with any team. But Bayern Munich relies so heavily on players like Hernandez, Upa Makano, Sula, and Pavar to cover for when Davies pushes far, so far upfield. If any of those players are off, if any are struggling with their decision-making on any given day or they're just not feeling good out there, it's a problem. So it's, you know, live by the sword, die by the sword with Davies. He is a you know phenomenal athlete. He can get up and down the pitch so well, but he does leave that side strategically uh, open a bit. And I know that that's part of the game plan. That's something we've seen. It allows Leroy Sané to push further inside, which is crazy to me that Sané is now almost a Rom Deuter himself because he is all over now. He is no longer you know, stationed out on the flank or staying by the sideline. He is in the middle of the pitch for the most part with Davies occupying that wide position. So it's, it's a really kind of unique thing we're seeing from Nagelsmann and how he's deploying these players. And, you know, obviously it creates a lot of good offense at times, but it does leave holes in the defense. So this is something that we know right off the bat, other teams are going to look to exploit over the course of the season the biggest thing for those other teams is can they actually execute against it? Because Bayern Munich's pretty still pretty damn good, right? They're a great team. In fact, in one of the uh, most recent odds put out by one of the, uh, I guess, analytical programs, Bayern Munich was favored to win the Champions League, which if I was objectively picking, I would say, yes, that that's who I would pick right now. And that has nothing to do with uh, fandom or anything like that. It's just that I think they are the best, deepest, and most talented side in Europe right now. And I don't even think it's that close. Obviously, people want to look at PSG and Liverpool, Man City, all the all the normal teams you would look at. But I just think Bayern is a step above this season. Can they maintain that level of play? Can they be consistent? Can they stay uh, major injury free, which I think most fans would probably argue is the most important thing for Byron at this stage. 
Uh, those are all the questions that will help determine whether Byron can actually follow through on this or not. And it's disappointing that they're out of the pokal so early. Uh, no one wanted to see that. I think when you look at how good this team is, a treble was a very realistic goal. So to see them get wiped out the way they did, it was very disappointing, which again brings me all the way back to the original point here is everyone needed to see some kind of response. And I think if you looked at the post-game quotes from the players and if you read the reaction pieces on our website, you saw that the players themselves were looking for how the team would respond. And when the players are that focused on ensuring a good performance was going to follow that debacle that happened last week, I think it shows that this team's championship focused. And that's a good thing. It's a great mentality. And their head coach isn't really even around to kind of impose that on them. This is a very self-driven team. So uh, I, I was very happy with the end result. I'm very happy with the effort. And uh, I think it is a sign of good things to come for Bayern Munich. As far as the rest, is, uh, as the rest of the Bundesliga goes, I'll give a quick rundown of the scores. Uh, it was, a, again, another interesting weekend. Uh, on Friday, Hoffenheim dusted Hertha Berlin 2-0. Uh, then we saw, of course, Byron's 5-2 victory over Union Berlin. Uh, SC Freiburg, one of the really great stories of the Bundesliga this season, picked up a 3-1 victory over Roy Tefert, and obviously they should be beating a team like that, but Freiburg has been really good. Christian Strike has been just unbelievable in what he's done with that roster, and to be able to keep them at least in the middle of the pack every season like he has, it's, it's just incredible. That guy can just flat-out coach. He's a wizard. He was honestly one person who I hoped would take over Germany if things with Hansi Flick fell through there. So uh, I have a lot of faith in him as a coach. It's amazing to me that Borussia Dortmund or RB Leipzig have never really taken a strong uh, push at trying to convince him to go there and, and, and coach. I think the guy's pretty brilliant, but uh, doing a great job with Freiburg. Uh, Borussia Dortmund minus Erling Haaland picked up a 2-0 victory over FC Köln. Uh, Dortmund is, I, I know people like the rag on them. Uh, they're still a very good team. They, they've got good depth, obviously great talent, good leadership. Uh, I'm expecting them to get better and better as the season goes on. I know that they're prone to some ups and some downs, but uh, I, I do expect them to start to really hit their gear soon. They need Holland back in the lineup to do that. Uh, you know, for the sake of the Bundesliga, I hope he does. Um, you know, I hope he can make that return. I know there's been various reports going back and forth about when exactly he might be ready. Some of the latest reports indicate that he won't even be back for the Bayern Munich game. So that would be disappointing from a competitive uh, perspective in terms of if you're just watching the game uh, to see two really good teams play against each other and you want the best players available, that's disappointing. If you're a diehard Bayern fan, you're probably not too heartbroken about Erling Haaland missing the match. Uh, Wolfsburg picked up a 2-0 victory over Bayer Leverkusen. A little bit shocking, Wolfsburg has been up and down, uh, more down than up, and obviously had a coaching change. So Florian Kohlfeldt has... Uh, I guess put his mark on the squad early to be able to pick up a 2-0 victory is pretty good. Uh, that will hopefully get Wolfsburg back on track. Bayer Leverkusen, of course, is a good young core. Uh, I think they're going to come back down to earth a little bit. They had a really nice start, but um, they need a little more experience. Uh, they need to be more consistent overall as well. So I think that Leverkusen is, while headed in the right direction, is going to have some 
some bumps along this journey that they might not be able to overcome. Uh, Mines picked up the 2-1 victory over Armenia. Bielefeld, uh, Mines is just one of those teams that every season, it seems like they, they are a pain in the ass team, to be honest. Uh, they, 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 on paper, don't appear to be that great. Yet they seem to play good teams competitively, pick up a couple of major upsets every season, and then inexplicably just blow games against some of the worst teams in the league. Now, right now, Mainz is is doing fairly well. Um, I think that, you know, looking at the squad that they have, you know, to, to think that, you know, they're in fifth place at this point, it's pretty impressive. And there are no pushover, but can they can they do it consistently? Can they carry through it? while picking up some big wins over good teams and then beat the mediocre to lower end teams consistently. Can they do it? I, I don't know. We're going to find out, but you know, the, the table is interesting at this point. We'll, we'll quickly run that down as soon as uh, we finish this wrap up, but it is uh, you know, just impressive to see what Mainz is doing. Arbe Leipzig and Jesse Marsh, oh, man, it is not looking good for the American coach. It was a 1-1 draw with Eintracht Frankfurt this weekend, but Marsh is definitely on the hot seat. Our, our, our guy, Philip Quinn, every week is like, oh, Jesse Marsh. And they, I think he tweets every time Leipzig falls behind or whatever, Jesse Marsh, better hope Leipzig scores here or whatever. He's always got something. And I think Phil's right, actually. I think that Marsh – you know, being an American is going to work against him. Uh, I, I just think it breeds less patience. And uh, Leipzig, with the talent that they have on that roster, will not want to sit around and wait for the team to get better. They are going to need to see some results under him, and they're going to need to see them soon. Uh, FC Augsburg ousted VFB Stuttgart for one. And uh, Augsburg, again, they are another team that uh, – if you look at the roster, they're, they're not great, right? And they're sitting at 16th in the table right now. They really needed that win. Uh, they have been kind of teetering the past couple of seasons of falling into that relegation danger zone. Uh, right now they're in it. So for Augsburg, every, every point they can muster at this point is really important. Uh, and finally, we'll get to Borussia Mönchengladbach uh, after that. 5-0, just whooping they put on Bayern in the DFB Pokal. They only beat VFL Bochum 2-1. So that tells you everything you need to know about the ups and downs of German football these days. You just never know. As far as the table goes, obviously Bayern is still holding strong in first with Dortmund in second. Freiburg, the surprise of the league in third place with 22 points, just three points behind Bayern and two points behind Dortmund. Leverkusen still holding strong in fourth, although you know the recent trend in their last games with two last three games, two losses and one draw in those matches, it's not looking good. Mainz, of course, I mentioned was in fifth. And Union Berlin in six. Like, who would have thought these were the top six teams? It's incredible. It really is. I mean, when you look at that, I mean, Freiburg alone, what they're doing is, is just insane. But to see Mainz and Union Berlin also trucking along <laughs> in those top six positions, I, I, I don't know. I'm super impressed. I love that there's some chaos in the league right now. I think it's good. I know that a lot of people are lamenting the fact that Bayern is so good and they don't think they can be challenged in the league. But I think we've seen Bayern is susceptible to 
not being able to function once they get punched in the face. So if I were some of these lower end to middle rung teams and I was going to play Bayern, I, I wouldn't park the bus and just try and eke out a point, right? Like that now, I mean, yeah, sure. Great. Like you, maybe that will work, but typically Bayern is good enough to break through for one or two goals. Eventually. I don't see the harm in trying to go punch for punch with him. I mean, you're not supposed to beat them anyway. So what's the difference if you manage to go out and you manage to swing with them and you connect a few times and maybe you earn a draw that way, or hell, maybe even you're, if you earn a win, what does that do for the confidence level of your own team? So for me, if I'm a coach in the Bundesliga, I'm not just going to bow down to Bayern. I'm not going to park the bus and hope for a point. I'm going to swing with them and chances are I'm going to get beat. But at least my players are going to go down playing the way they want to and not just trying to, to hope Bayern is off shooting that day. So um, the three teams, well, I'm not going to go through all of the placements. The three teams that are in the relegation danger zone are Augsburg, Armenia, Bielefeld, and Reuterfurt. So uh, not looking good for those three teams. Uh, I mean, Reuterfurt is... They have one point through 10 games. Uh, it's almost a lock that they are going to get relegated. Armenia and Bielefeld with five points, same deal. It's it's really hard to think that they're going to be able to pull things together. So it's really that 16th position that I think there could be some movement. Right now it's Augsburg, but it would not surprise me to see Bochum uh, fall into that spot. So that wraps up the Bundesliga uh, kind of roundup that we had for this week and being Halloween and all, I, I, I was just toying around with some Bayern Munich players and what they would dress as for Halloween. And I'll be honest, the list I came up with, I, I couldn't even use most of them because they probably weren't appropriate. So it's just, uh, I had to scrap that idea because everything I thought of either would probably insult someone or offend someone and uh, it just really wasn't worth it because, uh, you know, I mean, we are BFW. I'm not trying to go out and alienate people like that. But uh, I did come up with some funny ones. Uh, unfortunately, I, I probably won't dive too deep into them. I did get my guy Mirren uh, on our Slack channel, Mirren Kostic, telling me uh, that, uh, of course, Koretska would be the Incredible Hulk for Halloween. I mean, who could argue with that? A couple of the ones that I came out with that are slightly less offensive than the others. Uh, Yashua Kimmich as a scientist, because we all know that he is going to do his own research uh, about getting the vaccine. So better get his lab coat on. That's a pretty easy costume for Kimmich. Uh, you know, I don't really, you know, one way or the other, whatever that guy is going to do, uh, you know, my opinion on him doesn't really matter that much. <laughs> he's uh, obviously going his own way on that. So he's got to uh, figure that situation out. But until then, he probably will be the subject of little barbs, like I just said, calling him a scientist for Halloween. Um, Manuel Neuer is Hugh Hefner. Uh, again, easy costume, just needs kind of like a robe. We won't get too far into what that means, but uh, picturing Neuer's Hefner is, uh, is is pretty good in my eyes. I had the whole Le Robert Lewandowski dessert before dinner family thing where he could be a cupcake. So one kid could be the letter B. The next one could be the number four and his wife could be like, you know, the hamburger or a steak or whatever, the dessert before dinner theme. So, you know, Tom Adams and I still love that. So, uh, you know, it's great. 
Nicholas Sula, there was a million things you could do for him. I love the guy. Uh, <laughs> he could also be the Hulk, to be honest. So I don't know. We're not going to dig deep into that, but I, I just thought there were some fun things there. But what's the point of getting everybody pissed off about a Halloween costume? But one Halloween theme that we can get into that actually might even be offensive, but uh, <laughs> we can, we can kind of debate this a little bit. Uh, you can drop some of your faves in the comments. One of the great things about being a parent on Halloween is that you send your kids out to do the dirty work, right? So uh, while I don't partake in candy all that often, rarely ever actually, I think typically like uh, one of the places that we'll go every summer as a family is Hershey Park, since I don't live too far from there. And at Hershey Park, they have a place called Chocolate World where they have, you know, it's it's kind of like they're indoor. They have like a tour kind of thing that guides you through the whole candy making process and the history of Hershey and all that. It's actually very, very cool. Uh, but inside of that, they have a, uh, a store where you can get basically everything Hershey makes, including some like test things that they're working on. So that's usually pretty cool. And every summer, maybe I'll grab a couple of things uh, there. But if I'm in a convenience store or something, I, I like the gut never actually pick up candy. So uh, I kind of rely on my kids to uh, go out on Halloween and uh, haul, some, haul some candy in, and then I'll definitely scope through it at some point. So I wanted to take a run through some of my favorite candies that I look forward to uh, when my kids get them. So I'll make this quick, but Reese Cups, obviously a classic. If you don't like them, I think you are, uh, I don't know, I would say un-American, but we have so many non-American listeners that uh, that doesn't really hold true. Take five, totally underrated. Uh, I think right now it was a base Hershey product, but now Reese's has kind of taken it over. I, I mean, Reese's is a Hershey product too, but they've kind of put that into the Reese's brand and obviously it's still great. So if you haven't had a take five, you should really check those out. Whatchamacallit classic. I know that's probably not always uh, people's favorites, but I always, uh, always like those going back to when I was a kid. Uh, Reese's PCs. I'm a big Reese's guy, obviously. Reese's sticks, which of course, if you haven't had them, they're almost like chocolate peanut butter wafers. Very, very good. Uh, Snickers, of course, who could, who doesn't like a Snickers? Peanut M&Ms, peanut butter M&Ms. As you can see, there is a uh, kind of a trend here. I, I like peanut butter, I guess. Um, and one of my, uh, I guess underrated ones is a hundred grand bar used to really love those as a kid. Uh, if my kids are out and they get them, I absolutely take them all the time because you don't get that many in the, uh, in the Halloween bag. So if I see one, I definitely, I, I snake that right away. I don't even, that's not even a debate that just happens. I seize that. That's it's what we call it taxation around here. Um, and uh, I guess like there are a couple that I would say are probably some of my more controversial picks as favorite Halloween candies. Uh, and, and I rarely see these two. And that's why when I do see them, I, I get them. Well, one of the last one, I guess on my main list would be Rolos because I, I think they're great. But uh, the, uh, <laughs> the uh, underrated list that I think a lot of people hate these candies, but I actually like them. So uh, Mallow Cups, uh, pretty good. I don't see them that often, but when I do, always make it a point to try and get them uh, you know, out of the Halloween bags. Uh, and the, the coconut combo of Mounds and Almond Joy, I like them both. I know that like a lot of people hate on Mounds and they hate on Almond Joy, but I think they're both pretty good. So um, you know, that's just how I feel about it. And 
I didn't raid the kids' bags yet, but I absolutely 100% will do that at some point tomorrow. I'll put in some claims there. Might have to broker a few deals, maybe make some promises. Uh, you know, that's that's how things work around here. My wife, on the other hand, she will just like she she takes eminent domain and just takes what she wants. And the kids are like, dude, what the hell is that? But they can't really stop her. So, um, you know, that's how we do things here. But uh, I think that's going to wrap it up uh, for this edition of the flagship show. I uh, really appreciate you guys listening. Uh, like I said, we were hit with a, a bit of uh, scheduling conflicts this week. It was really, really tough to get people uh, together. And we had a lot of shows to do. I mean, we had the weekend warm up podcast. We had a post game show. We had a preview show for the Benfica match. So we had a lot going on and we really uh, spread our podcast. There's a bit thin. So I uh, appreciate you guys dealing with the deviation of the format for the flagship show, but I had a lot of fun doing this on Halloween night. It's obviously late on Halloween night when I am uh, recording this, but uh, it was a really good time. And I liked having a chance to talk about uh, Bayern Munich and the league and how things are looking. As you know, from some of the other shows that I do, we talk about a lot of different things, more news items, but it was good just to focus on the state of the team and how they look and how things in the league look. So uh, I enjoyed it. As always, you know, we love your feedback and appreciate your support. So check us out on BavarianFootballWorks.com every day. You can get the main site on Twitter at BavarianFBWorks. You can get me at the Barrel Blog. You can get Jake at Jefferson Fenner. You can get Tom Adams at Tommy Adams 71 You can get I Need No Name at BFWINNN. So thanks again for listening. Uh, Happy Halloween to all of you people that had a chance to celebrate that. And uh, we will see you next time.